Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good morning, y'all. Thanks, Joe and Ash. Everybody else is like, man, I'm just super tired this morning. My legs hurt from jumping. Y'all having a good morning? For real? Did y'all enjoy the music this morning? I had fun. I don't know about y'all, but I had fun. But hey, we're in our last week of um, our Multiply series where we're talking about our four core values. Um, and these four core values doesn't mean that we don't value anything else. But these are the four values that we have that we believe that if we live by these, I believe we could turn this world upside down. And, but starting next week, we're going to um, start a series um, called, you listening? You have to listen real close to this one. You ready? That's the title. You ready? <laughs> we're going to start a series called You Ready? Um, we're going to talk about death. We're going to talk about heaven, we're going to talk about hell, we're going to talk about everything in between. All right, it's going to be fun. Um, what does the Bible say about death? What does the Bible say about heaven? What does the Bible say about hell? It's going to be heavenly, okay? Or it could be hell, depending on how you're approached to it. You know, I don't know. All right, but we, we believe that these core values that, we, that, we, that go way beyond, far beyond it, just shift church as an institution. But what we believe is, is that, that we, if we as individuals walk by these core values, then we're going to flip this world upside down, right? So the, last, the first week we talked about multiply. That's the whole encompasses of everything, right? We talked about multiply and how our, God's expectation for us is to go forth and make disciples or go forth and multiply. That means make little use. And for some of y'all, that might be a little scary. Okay? That could be naturally, or it could be, you know what I'm saying? Or it could be, um, it could be spiritually. Okay? It's a preacher joke. That's stupid. <laughs> we are called to go forth and multiply, to, to go make disciples of all nations. That is God's expectation of us as believers, not his great suggestion. If you get a chance... Um, you know, you don't have anything else to do. You don't have to take the kids to the ball game. You don't have to, to go to the grocery store. But whenever you get a chance, can you go and make? That's not what he says. He says, "Go therefore and make disciples." God's expectation is to make little use. That's why he told the disciples, um, "What I did for you, what I did in you, do for others." Right? And then the, the next, the following after that, we talked about that our core value to size up. That it's time for us to be bold. It's time. It's time for the church to get a little bit of a backbone. And to size up. It's time for us to take big risks because we serve a big God. Because I don't know if you're paying attention, but there's a lot of things going on right now that if you read the end of the book, I'm not saying it's going to happen next week, y'all. Don't, don't be like, you're not going to be that guy. Or you have to know. But if you look at, look at the things in, in the, in, at the end of the book, there's a lot of things happening right now. And it's time for the church to size up and proclaim the message of the gospel to the world. Take big risks. Step out of your comfort zone because comfort zones don't make you safe. They don't make your life safe at all. They actually make your life small. And God, God's got an ocean to drop you in. But you've got to step out of that pond, step out of that comfort zone a little bit. And then we talked about the idea of uh, uh, to, to pour it out, our, our value to pour it out, to give our time, our talent, and our treasure for the advancement of the kingdom, not the advancement of Shift Church, not the advancement of the McCarter household, not the advancement of, of what you name it, but we are called to, to, to pour it out, to give our time, talent, and treasure for the advancement of the kingdom of God. 
But today, I want, to talk to, I want to talk about what I believe is the bedrock for all of these others. The bedrock for all of these others. What the, what the others are built off of because you can't multiply, you can't take a chance and, and take a risk and size up, and you can't pour it out if you don't stay connected. You can't multiply, you can't size up, nor can you pour it out if you don't stay connected. And it's this truth that you got to understand. you got to understand this. This is your truth, okay? This is your truth. I, didn't, I should have put, I thought I'd put this in the notes, but I must have skipped it, and I apologize. So I'll say it real slow. This is the truth for you this morning. You and I were created for connection and to be a connection. You and I were created for connection and to be a connection. We'll say it one more time. You and I were created for connection and to be a connection. You see, from the very beginning of time, God knew this. Because after he created Adam and created the world and created everything, in Genesis 2, 18, verse 8, it says, 2, 18, it says this, Then the Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good man to be alone. And it goes on to say he created woman and he and Adam called her whoa man. You get it? Huh? Whoa man. Woo, she hot. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Woo. But from the very beginning we see that it's not good for us, mankind, to be alone. We were created for connection. We were created also to be a connection. So the question this morning is this. What does it look like to be connected? Right? And what does it look like to be a connection? And here's the first thing. First thing you've got to write down. To be connected means to be connected to the source. To be connected means to be connected to the source. There's this really cool story. Our friend John pins down this, this idea of the heart of Jesus toward, toward us. Okay? He pins it down. Like, the, what, what is this source? And here's, here's what Jesus said. And our friend John wrote it down. Okay? Chapter 15, starting in verse 1, it says, I, and this is Jesus talking, I am, a, I am a true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me. You with me? He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every, every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. Here's, here's the great thing about this. Jesus is the vine in which we receive our substance, we receive our joy, our, our, our everlasting life. It, everything is found in Jesus. Our life source is, comes from Jesus. But here's the great thing that we see here, is that even when we struggle, the Father cares for you. What does it say? It says that he props up those that are fruitless. He props them up. Why? Because even, like, even when you're struggling, even when, even, when, even when you don't feel like there's a way, it's because, we're, why does he do this? It's because we are connected to the source. Even fruitless branches are connected to the source. 
He props you up. He trims you. He, to, to, he molds you to, be, to become more fruitful. Just because you're limping doesn't mean he doesn't hear your call for help. To be connected to the source is to be connected to life. But see, that's not it. Here's, here's another thing that we see in that, just that little snippet, is that the parts of us that are dead, the Father actively prunes away. The parts of us that are dead, the Father actively prunes away so that we can grow and continue to bear fruit. And listen, this is going to get a little crazy, okay? That, that he prunes away, it may be your job. It may be that child. It may be that, that friend, that co-worker, that, that source of security. Like maybe that, maybe, maybe that job, that friend, that sense of security, something you hold dear to you. But God sometimes removes those things from our life so that we can really be connected to the source of life because the removal is an invitation for growth. The removal of that in your life is an invitation for growth. See, many times when we feel like God's taken something from us, we look at it as a punishment, but it's actually a blessing. Because maybe it was that thing that's keeping you from getting to what I had you to begin with, wanted to have you to begin with. If I look back over my life, all the, like all the times I was mad at God for taking something away from me and looking back going, oh, that's why he did it. That's why we can trust the faithfulness of him today because we look back and see the faithfulness of him yesterday. That even though we may not understand why this is being taken away from us, why it's been pruned away from us, why that person left us, we can sit back and we can say, well, God, maybe there's a plan here. The removal is an invitation for growth, an invitation for you to step out of something that's not normal to you. Because when God takes something out of your life, it's just, a, just as significant as when he brings something into it. Because he will never withdraw something without putting something back in first. You with me? You can take that one to the bank, okay? He will never withdraw something from you without putting something back in its place. And that thing that's back in his place is just you, him. That's why we sing songs like, I just want you, nothing else. Because for many of us, we're trying so hard to fill our lives and find our substance from things that don't even matter. We're connecting ourselves to groups and people and, and, and organizations and thought lines and processes. When Jesus said, all you need is me, connect to me. And maybe it's time for us to allow him to prune some of those things away from our life because if we're truly connected from the, to the source, then the only way that we can give life-bearing fruit is that there's nothing blocking it. Sometimes I think we've tied ourselves off and we're, we're getting, a little, getting a, little, a little pruny because we've tried to attach ourselves to things that don't even matter. We try to connect ourselves to things that don't even matter. Let's keep reading before I stay on that too long. John 15, 3 says, The words I have spoken over, over you have already cleansed you. What? Right now, you in this room. He has already spoken words over you, and you're already cleansed. That goes for you who would come in here and say, or maybe you're listening online, and you say, I don't even know if I believe this. Well, it's okay. He's already spoken words over you, and you're cleansed. It's time for you just to walk up in that joint. The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. Go ahead. 
You can switch it. So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to... Go ahead. So your, so your life will be fruitless unless you li live your life intimately joined to mine. If you want to have a fruitful life, if you want to have a life that's of significance, of purpose, you have to stay intimately joined to his. And that, you, know what, you know what the word intimately means, right? That's like a, a husband with, a, with his bride. Intimate. I don't make a joke about that, but Kaylee's here and she'd be embarrassed and... So your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine, and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. I want that. I want my life to count for something that matters. Very long. That's the average lifespan of a male. 66 years-ish. It's kind of scary, isn't it? It means I have 33 left. I want my life to, I want that dash on my tombstone to count for something. I want it to count because I'm connected to the source. I want it to flow out of me. I'm the sprouting vine and you're, and you're the branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you, you are powerless. See, many of the reasons that you can't overcome the things that you're overcoming in your life is because you're using your own power, and you are weak. That's why I don't care people saying I use Jesus as a crutch, because I do. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire. What is that word? whatever you desire because eventually when we're connected to the source our will becomes well actually it's reversed his will becomes ours so that's why when you ask for something and it comes true it's not because you're not really asking anything of your will you're asking of his anyway then you will ask whatever you desire and it will be done when your lives bear abundant fruit you demonstrate that you are are matured disciples who glorify my Father. I love each of you with the same love the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your... Ooh, isn't that, can you just imagine Jesus sitting in front of you saying that to you? I love each of you the same, with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. Just let it flow in. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love just as, as, as I have kept my Father's commands. For I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. So this love that comes from the Father, this love that comes from pruning, this love that comes from being connected to the source, empowers us. My purpose for telling you these things is that, is that for... for my purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. So that, that this is my command. This is his command. 
be connected to the source, right? To stay connected means to stay connected to the source. And this is this one. So this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is, is a love that sacrifices all, that pours it out. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices, when they poured out his life for his friends. You show that you are, are intimate friends when you obey all that I command you. I have never called you servants. Hold a minute. Maybe we need to stop saying our, we're, we're servants of the Lord Most High because he's never, he never calls us servant. But what does he call us? You ready? I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. A servant doesn't always understand what the master is doing, but I call you my most intimate friends. What? For I reveal to you everything that I have heard from my father. You didn't choose me, but I have chosen and commissioned. Ooh, that's a big word right there. I commissioned you to go into the world and bear fruit, and your fruit will last. Because whatever you ask for my Father, for my sake, he will give it to you. So this is my parting command. Love one another deeply. Love one another deeply. To be connected to the source leads us to hear. To love each other deeply. To be connected means to be connected to each other. To be connected to the source leads us to be connected to each other. Because how can you love one another deeply, which is a command, not a suggestion. You with me? Love each other deeply if we're not connected to each other. All the... All the um, people who like to be alone in the room right now, you're freaking out a little bit, aren't you? I like my isolation. But how can we be deeply love one another if we're not connected to each other? It's kind of like a husband and spouse who live in separate houses. Ain't going to work. You with me? To be connected means to be connected to each other. That's why John 13, 35 says, For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you, this is Jesus talking, I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. Because how can everybody know that we're his true followers if we're not connected, showing deep love for each other? I hope you are tracking with me. So what does being connected look like to each other? What does it look like? I think that, I think the writer of Hebrews tells us. You ready? Hebrews 10, 23, it says this. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. And listen, this, is, this next verse, y'all, it's going to hurt somebody because it's going to hurt somebody's feelings. But no, this isn't coming from Pastor Derek. This is coming from God. You ready? This is not a time to pull away and neglect meeting together. That's God talking. I'm not saying if you're not if you're sick, don't come, stay home. But just because it's raining or it's snowing or it's the government tells you to, doesn't mean <laughs> you neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. That should have hurt somebody's feelings. 
Ouch. I'm not saying it's not okay to go on vacation or it's not okay to stay home when you're sick. But if you haven't, listen, we maybe need to check ourselves if running five minutes behind keeps us at home. Are you with me? It's just what the Bible says. Not, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently. Oh, woo! Y'all gonna get to see a whole lot of this pretty face. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning, which we're gonna start next week. See that, Leo? That's what I did there? little promo for next week as we anticipate the day dawning because there's a day coming when jesus will split the sky wide open and prove all this craziness wrong there's a day coming when we will be able to finally be called home whether that be today tomorrow a hundred years from now one day his glory is going to shine across all the world but see this is what it tells us, what the writer of Hebrews tells us. Our call is to continually gather together with like-minded people. Our call is to continually gather together with like-minded people. We are called to do life together, to worship together, to pray together. Why? Why are we called to do that? Why are we called to do that? Well, here's, here's what I believe. Number one is that it encourages others. When we gather together, because I don't know how many of y'all, I've, like, there's sometimes I've had a horrible week, but then I come in here and I hear uh, Kristen's beautiful voice, and I go, oh, that's so good. And then Cody starts singing, and I'm like, oh, I'm back down again. <laughs> but, no. But us gathering together encourages each other. Maybe your story of victory this week will cause the person struggling to hope that they that struggling to hope for a better future. Maybe that that your story of victory will lead them to be hopeful for the future. Because listen, I'm going to share something with you. Your story is not just for you. All right? Your story is not just for you. Don't stay shut up about it. Open that mouth and let it speak. Let it out. Because maybe that story. Maybe that story that you're telling will lead the person sitting next to you who is doubting even life itself to go, you know what, maybe life is worth living after all. Here's the second thing that it does. Here's uh, gathering together. That's why it's important. While we should continually gather together, our praise loosens the hold the enemy has on you. When you get a group of people together singing and dancing on that river, when you sing songs like God's going to get my praise, that old man, that enemy gets pissed off. Let me, sh- let me show you how I know. See, see Luke told, tells us of a story in Acts. In Acts, he tells us a story. He writes to us a story. He, he says, and so here's some people got arrested. And they're put- the innermost, this Acts 16, 24 says, so the jailer placed them, talking about these disciples, in the innermost cell, that means in the dungeon dungeon, y'all. Like if the dungeon had a dungeon that had a dungeon, they're in that dungeon of the dungeon of the dungeon. The innermost cell of the prison and had their feet bound and chained. And listen to what Paul and Silas did. 
They didn't sit there and gripe and complain about how bad their life was. And they didn't worry about where their next meal was going to come from. They didn't worry about who was going to pay the next electric bill or whatever. Paul and Silas, undaunted, prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God. While all the other prisoners, those ones who were also captive and bound by something from the enemy, while the other prisoners listened to their worship, and suddenly... A great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. I'm ready for God to do something supernatural in my life. You know, you follow a supernatural God. Like, he works in the supernatural. Like, have you read the Gospels and have you read the book of Acts? Just saying. Suddenly, a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. All at once, every prison door flung open, and the chains of all the prisoners, who? All, not just Paul and Silas. But everyone that was there, the, the, all the prisoners came loose. That's why we go back and say we encourage. It encourages when we gather and sing praises. Because it loosens it, it loosens your, 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 your cry of victory, your cry of sorrow, your cry of whatever that you're going through. It may lead someone else to their chains being loosened. Because we don't gather to sing or testify because, listen, we don't do it because we've got it all together. We sing and testify because he has got it all together. Because listen, we, have no, we, have, we are men most miserable. By all stretch of the imagination, we should not be able to stand and sing and praise and dance and do all that fun stuff because of how miserable our life, you know your life's miserable, Honestly. Joe's feeling it today, y'all. But you realize you're like, go back, take a, like a 30,000 foot view of your life. It's not very attractive. But what makes it attractive? The fact that you're connected to a source that makes it joy, that gives it joy. I don't see how people who aren't connected to the source make it through life, y'all. Because listen, if you're, not a, if you're listening online, if you're here, listen, this is the best you got. This is the best you got. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not connected to the source, this world is the best you ever get. And it's hell. But if you're a believer, this is the worst it's ever going to get, y'all. Woo, we can celebrate that. We, pray, we praise not for, not for what we can do or what we've got accomplished, but what he has done. But listen, what else it does? This one is gathering together builds unity. And boy, does this world needs some unity right now wasn't it wasn't that Jesus' prayer when he, in in john john recorded our friend john recorded part of Jesus' prayer he said this is jesus this is what jesus jesus prayed for you holy father i'm about to leave this world to return and be with you but my disciples re will remain here so I ask that by the power of your name, protect each one that you have given me and watch over them so that they will be united as one, even as we are one. Huh. Finally, beloved friends, be, be, be cheerful. Repair whatever is broken among you as your hands are being knit together in perfect unity. 
Live continually in peace, and God, the source of love and peace, will mingle with you. His prayer for us, his prayer for us was that, was that, we, would, that, we, would, that we would live a life unity, that, in unity, in union with each other. It doesn't mean we all have to be the same. Like you were created unique for a reason. Because, you see, that was Paul's words in 2 Corinthians that we just read. We read John and went straight into 2 Corinthians. Live continually in peace, even in disagreement. Even if you don't agree with that other person, live in peace. And God, the source of love and peace, will mingle with you. Here's this, unity doesn't mean uniformity. Because for some of us, as the Bible describes it, like a body, like a hand and a foot, we, we need each other. I don't need you to be just like me. God gave you a personality, your personality for a reason. What the world needs most is a group of people who aren't just like each other to unify and become together over a common cause because we're connected to the source of life and now we're connected to each other. We could change the world. God has made you uniquely you for a purpose, but it's in our uniqueness that we come together to reach the world. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're not just called to be connected, Right? We're called to be a connection. And Paul tells us this. 2 Corinthians 5.11 starts off by saying, Since we are those who stand in a holy awe of the Lord, we make it our passion to persuade, to connect, to be a connection for others to turn to Him. See, our call is to continually connect to those not like us. To be, you can take from Scripture, in the world, but not of the world. To be in it means, listen, I say this often. If you go to work and you think that people are mad at you because you're a Christian, it's not because you're a Christian. Because Jesus was in the world and he did get some people that hated him, but people who weren't like him were drawn to him. Maybe you're just being annoying. <laughs> okay? To be in the world means that, that you have influence with people that aren't like you. To be the church where you live, work, and play at the soccer field, to the water tank, at your job. Our call is to continually connect with those not like us. It says this, Since we are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord, we make it our passion to persuade, to connect, to be a connection so that others to turn, cause others to turn to Him. We know that our lives, our, our lives are transparent before God. Some translations say it, they, they, they lay naked before, like you, you lay naked before the Lord. It's scary to think about. Our lives are transparent before God who knows us fully and I hope that we are also well known to your conscience oh man we have to be so connected with people not like us that we have to be transparent with them 
They have to see us struggle because you'll never reach anybody if you're not vulnerable in front of anybody. Again, we are not taking an opportunity to brag, but giving you information that will enable you to be proud of us and to answer those who esteem, esteem outward appearances while overlooking what is in the heart. If we are out of our minds, it is blissful. I can become even more indignified than this. If I'm out of my mind, it, my mind's in, in, a, in a blissful, divine ecstasy, it is for God. But if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Because we don't want you to think we're cray-cray. We're, we're toning it back a little bit. For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us. Because we are absolutely convinced that he has, he has given his life for all, for all of us. This means all died with him. So that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him. The one who died for us and now lives again. So then, from now on, we have a new perspective. Some of us are still holding on to that old wineskin, y'all. So then, from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to elevate people merely by their outward appearances. Thank God. Because sometimes I'll be ugly. For that's how we once viewed the anointed one. Can you imagine? At one point, we once viewed God. You, Jesus, the anointed one, as ugly and nothing and unattractive, and we didn't want anything, anything to do with him. That's you and me. That's why Romans would say, no one seeks God, not even one. He seeks you. Because your heart doesn't want that. For that's how we once viewed the anointed one, but no longer do we see him with limited human insight. Thank God for him chasing after me. Now, if anyone is, is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reconciled or brought back or paid for, reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. So now that we've been called back, we've been now reconnected to the source, it's our job to be that connection, to reconcile those back to God, to draw back to be that connection for them. In other words, it was through the, it was th in other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping record of their transgressions. And he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. We are supposed to be the connection to the world. You see, God, we are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. For God made the one who did not, did not know sin to become sin for us 
so that we who, die, who, who, who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with Him. This is why staying connected is the foundation of everything we believe. Because we can't multiply, we can't reconcile, we can't go tell the world if we don't stay connected to the source and stay connected to each other and stay connected to the lost world. We can't, we can't size up, we can't take big risk if we're not connected and we're not multiplying and we're not... See how all this ties together? We can't pour it out if we're never around anybody to pour it out for. We've got to stay connected so that the world around us sees, that South Knoxville sees, that Knoxville, that Tennessee, that the United States, that the rest of the world sees unity and connection to the Savior of the world. Because, listen, there's a lot of junk being said about the church right now. And it's not what, that's, not, that's not my church. Now, there's a lot of churches out there doing the wrong stuff, y'all. And they should be ashamed. And I publicly apologize. Anybody, any church that has ever done anybody wrong, that's on us, y'all. We, it's time for us to show the world what love and unity really looks like. doesn't mean uniformity. we got to stay connected so that we can multiply, so we can size the world, so we can pour it out. Because one, I need you and you need me. And the world needs you and the world needs me. we got to stay connected. The only way that we're going to see a victory is if we stay connected to the source and stay connected to each other and stay connected to the lost world. So I don't know where you stand in this building. Maybe you're like, you're far from God and you're like, Derek, I want that connection. Maybe you're listening online and you're like, I want that connection. You can make that connection today. You just turn your life over to Him. Maybe you're here and you're like, Derek, I've, I've been a loner for too long. It's time for me to get back in the game. It's time for me to, to start loving people again. Well, this is your opportunity to take that next step to do that. So before we leave here, make a commitment to stay connected to the source, to stay connected to, to the people of God, and to stay connected to the world. Because that's the only way that, one, we're going to be able to live out these core values, but one, to see a victory at the end of this. we got to stay connected dear heavenly father we want to thank you so much for being a god who allows us to even approach you i love the phrase i love the idea behind the thought line that the ground is level at the foot of the cross because you want that connection to us you want to be connected to us God, I pray, for, I pray for the people in this room and the people of the church. May we, st- may we stop living. May we stop living in, in separation and, 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 and hate with each other. It's time for us as the people of God to, to size up and to apologize for the things that we've done wrong. For the separations that we, that's, that's happened within the body of Christ that doesn't, that doesn't, even, that doesn't even matter. May we in this room, even in disagreements, even in, 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 in disgust, even in maybe even heartache and, and sorrow, and maybe even in, in hurt feelings, God, may, may, we, may we approach each other in unity. Because we need each other more than we need to be mad at each other.